The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. Let's pray. Father, indeed, we come this afternoon uh, recognizing that uh, our own hearts uh, left to their own wisdom and device would turn from you. We would have never come to you. We would have lived in rebellion and indifference to you. But we're grateful that by uh, your work in Christ, and out of a great love for your people, you have rescued us from that. Oh Lord, we still carry the remnants of the curse and the flesh. And we still battle within us of these passions that rise up. We need you, Lord, desperately to continue to reveal yourself to us, to continue to cause us to turn our hearts and our minds to you, to continue to be drawn away from the things of this world. Oh Lord, they entice us. We come recognizing, even this week, uh, how we have been enticed, how we have looked to this world for relief. And, and uh, Lord, even in our own just uh, idleness or, or the margins of our life, we seem to press close to the things that delight our our flesh. And uh, so, Lord, forgive us. And we are thankful that we can come, being reminded of the forgiveness we have in Christ. Oh, Lord, we're thankful for your word and how it... Uh, it does speak to us in ways that only you can do, reaching into the recesses of our hearts that we don't even know exist or, or we have never uh, really dealt with before. We pray that that would continue. Lord, you would not leave us as you found us this afternoon even. We would leave encouraged and strengthened. Oh Lord, may we again catch a glimpse of the wonder of Christ, the freedom we have in Christ, uh, from the shame that so permeates our human experience. Uh, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. This afternoon we're going to be in Exodus, I mean in Genesis 3. This is the uh, seventh message in a series that I have been working through primarily for my own edification on shame. And with each message, we have progressed further and further, beginning in, in uh, chapter 2, really, of Genesis. And then today, we find ourselves in Genesis 3, 14 to 24, where we see the curse being um, issued. And today, we're going to be dealing with a, an aspect of shame related to the sense of being unclean. And while it doesn't spring fully from this text, uh, it is it does arise because of the curse and the brokenness that we find ourselves. So I'm going to read through um, the issuing of the curse and then the, the casting out of the garden. Uh, really the full culmination of this that Adam and Eve began to sense when they knew that they were naked and began to sew fig leaves together in response to their nakedness and then began to live out of the context of this, this fundamental brokenness. So this is the word of the Lord. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord made for Adam and for his wife garments and skins and clothed them. And the Lord said, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowledge, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat of the, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man, he drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of of Eden he placed the cherubim and the flaming sword and that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of the Lord. As I have begun this series, I, I really sprung out of the, un, the beginning to understand and much of it through Pastor Brian's teaching on shame and this fundamental characteristic of, and really explanation of life. Before the fall, we see this summation of what it meant to be human. Therefore, the man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. He spent several messages working through that, this summary statement of humanness, that they were naked and not ashamed. Then we see the fall and, and the temptation. We see uh, the rebellion and turning from God. And then we see... This profound change in the activity and the orientation of Adam and Eve uh, after they sinned. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And it is indeed this activity, this new activity, as Adam and Eve uh, turned from God, they turned to their own. Uh, their own obedience towards their own desires. They they uh, disregarded uh, the command to not eat this fruit and really saw in that that God was not good and that in order for them to know good, to be taken care of in a, in a good way, they must disobey. They must obey the passions that were flamed up in them through the temptation. And as an immediate result of that, their eyes turned in. They began to see themselves naked. Uh, they began to, instead of being outward focused, to love one another, to love God, and to give themselves wholly to the good of their neighbor, uh, they began to be self-consumed. And in that, a fear settled in. And this fear is something that permeates our humanness today. Uh, this fear of what we would we would use the word shame. Although shame is such a broad category, it's hard to have conversations about. I'm thankful that Pastor Brian teaches on this, and we're just about, I was hoping that he would get to his Sunday school class where he deals with shame before we got to these lessons, but I have much to learn still about shame, and I'm eager to uh, to hear more teaching on it. 
In the previous lessons, though, we have looked at and taken a glimpse of <laughs> you get the buzzer. <laughs> I think the lights are more effective. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's a wrap. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, we've dealt with two aspects of shame uh, prior to this. And the first aspect of shame was this being uncovered. Well, we see Adam and Eve's response here. We say that they were soaking together fig leaves, that they were attempting to cover themselves. One of the fundamental aspects of shame that we see in uh, as we experience this humanness is a desire to cover ourselves. We feel exposed. We eyes looking at us. We know we're unrighteous. We know we're sinning. And we cover ourselves to hide from one another, to cover our sin. And so we would experience shame kind of universally in that aspect as an uncovering. The second aspect of shame that we looked at is this shame as in the idea of being cast out, a fear of being rejected or unaccepted by you. And so you see me in my sin, and if I don't cover myself well, I'm afraid you're going to reject me and cast me out. So those are the two previous uh, contexts for shame that we looked at. Today we're going to just briefly look at this idea of being unclean. Unclean. The shame of feeling unclean. The sense of being contaminated. And the fear of how God and people respond to me in my contamination. This is expressed throughout Scripture in various ways. Uh, words like unclean, corrupt, cursed. Defiled, poison, impure, unrighteous, profane, and dirty. It's a sense of, of having a filthiness because of my nature, because of my sin, or because I have been sinned against. And that's really the three aspects of the message this afternoon that we're going to cover. Unclean shame related to the desecrated saint. Unclean shame related to the defilement of my own sin, and unclean shame related to being a damaged sufferer. Unclean shame related to a desecrated saint. I tried to find a D word that would talk about this, the, the curse and the impact of the curse on us as, as our nature went from being this, this uh, set-apart, holy entity that was in right relationship with God in every possible capacity to the brokenness of that. And de desecration means to harm something that is holy or sanctified for holy use. And that's a good imagery of this fundamental uh, thing that happened in the garden where our nature went from being consecrated unto God, holy unto God, being broken and altered in such a way that it was really desecrated. As Adam and Eve looked away from God and sought their own good and the forbidden fruit, they ate, and it, they ate it for personal gain. And the curse changed their fundamental nature. As they their eyes were opened, as they experienced this rebellion, uh, there were immediate consequences. And then the curse was issued forth, and we see as they're ushered out of the garden, they leave a different entity than they were when they were created. And this really has to do with being a desecrated saint. They are, they are now fundamentally broken. They are, they are cursed. And they're living with the consequences of the sin in their life. We read passages like Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 to say that now the, the description of humanness in, na in our nature as we're born into this life is that we're dead in our trespasses and sin. In which we once walked 
following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And that is a de desecrated saying. That is someone who, who was consecrated unto the Lord, but now finds himself in this very different, broken scenario. This desecration of our nature is a fundamental brokenness in our relationship with God and with others. All sin and the condemnation and death come to men through Adam's sin. Uh, this presents a common and universal difficulty, living as sinners in a sin-cursed world. And this shame related to this nature, related to the curse, really has to do with the sense that because of who I am, I am dirty. I am different in a broken way from God, what I should be, and I'm different in a broken way from what you would expect me to be. And it's hard for some of us to think through this, but I think if you grew up as a black man in the South, and you had experiences where because of your who you were, by nature, just who you were, you were other than what was acceptable, you would have a sense of this shame that's tied to just your being, like just who we were. And we were, we are born into this life in such a broken state, and we and with a cursed condition in the context of a sin cursed and broken world, that there is just a resident shame because we know we're not what we should be. We are other than what God would want us to be. We know that we're broken, and, and until gospel opens our eyes, we don't understand that, and sometimes we delight in it and just live in the context of it. But when uh, we read in Romans 1 that through the creation, we know certain things about God. And part of that is that we are not what we were created to be. But there is a brokenness. He has also given us a conscience that continually speaks to us. And in that, there's just this sense of shame. The shame becomes more acute, though, as we begin thinking about our own sin. Think for a second, though, about the curse and what God has provided for us in Christ. Because Jesus redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. Christ has redeemed us from this desecration. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. The curse was broken. The effects of the curse were broken and removed from us. We're no longer subject to the curse. Those who trust in Christ have been delivered from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his beloved Son, the kingdom of light. As the curse is removed, our nature is being restored. And we can deal with this shame and this feeling of just this otherness because of the curse and this separation of God. And a lot of it has to do with knowing that the curse has been removed. It has been broken. That our primary uh, allegiance to Satan that we're born with has been dealt with. And we're brought back into subjugation to Christ. And we look to Christ and, to, to, uh, uh, and the love of Christ to orient us. But we do so uh, sometimes feeling the impulses or the remnants of this life that we came from. The shame of our desecrated nature was put on Christ. And we now wear a splendid robe for all the world to see, a robe of righteousness purchased for us by the blood of Christ. The curse and condemnation 
uh, that was part of our nature has been removed. The second aspect of this shame that we experience has to do with our own sin. The def- and we are defiled, in a sense of defilement because of our own sin. Uh, Romans uh, 3, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all defiled and, uh, and unclean because of it. As unbelievers, our ongoing sin continues to reveal a corruption that we are unrighteous, that we are guilty transgressors of the law. Sin ever plagues us and reminds us of our separation from God. We know because of our own sin and the impact of our sin and the exposure of our sin that we are unclean in the eyes of God and the eyes of others, that we are defiled. If our sin is more public, it validates that unrighteousness. We have an even heightened sense that there's a defilement of it. And we carry the shame of that as we, as people see the reality of the sin struggle that we have. And we feel this corruption and this uh, defilement that's, that uh, because of our sin. If you've been caught in hidden sins, you may have an even more particular sense of this. Uh, when your sin is exposed, what was once hidden or being done in the dark is now comes clear and our defilement becomes more vivid as people now look to see and hear of the sin that we are caught in. Our unrighteousness or our sin reveals our defilement. Pastor Brian preaches in Leviticus. We're going to see more and more uh, this distinction in this unclean and clean. And he, we, we got to a couple passages uh, last week on being clean and unclean. And we read that no unclean thing could enter the uh, tabernacle or the temple. That there, the things had to be clean and they were determined what is clean and what is unclean. And there was a, things had to be evaluated, what is clean and unclean. We know that being unclean separates us from God, though, and all the blessings that come to us. Unclean objects and people are cast out. The camp, they can't even be tolerated near. They're cast out. There's a special place for them outside the camp because they are un, we are unacceptable. Those are unacceptable. We are unacceptable because of the, our sin, the guilt of our sin, the defilement of our sin. We are fundamentally unclean in our sin. This would be, uh, if you were going to label this kind of sin, I think a good label for this would be felony shame. Like, I have a record. And you, if you, if, there might be people in here that have a record. And that record follows them around. And it's because of their own actions that this record now exists. And now they're dealing with the consequences and what people think about this record that they have because of the sin that they committed. We've heard, the, we've read or, or heard the story of the Scarlet A. We wear a brand around uh, that designates you as one that's a sinner, one that's set apart because of your sin. Um, maybe there's no mark, but you know of your sin that you've committed, and you carry it. There's a part of you that it rises up at times. And it, 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 it's something that just nags at you from the inside out. You feel defiled because of your sin. Although you are maybe in Christ and understand that you've been forgiven, there's a sense of this shame because of my sin. I do feel unclean. Uh, you may have done things that you're ashamed of. We even use the word ashamed, sense 
Maybe even kids in here. Maybe you have told a lie to your parents and they haven't found out yet. But there's a sense though, like there's a weight, a burden when we when we say I've done something wrong and there's it nags at us. And this is the shame of this defilement, this uncleanness of our own actions. There's big things that we may have been involved with. There may be someone in here who has had an abortion. And uh, you are just weighed down by that. And, uh, and it, just, it just presses you. And you feel this sense of this thing that has happened to you and, and that was done by you. And you just feel the guilt of it, the shame of it. You know what it is to have a guilty conscience. Oftentimes I think that people that come to church and are visiting for the first time have a sense of this as they look around and they, they know their own sin and they can feel their own defilement. And yet they look around and say, well, these people are clean, but I am unclean. I don't fit in here because of my, the sin and the defilement I sense in my own life. But oh, we're so thankful that Jesus became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. This, there's a redemptive work of Christ did to grant us not just forgiveness, although that's unbelievable, but this work, this redemptive work that God does in us is so profound that it cleanses us, that it takes care of the shame, it washes us clean. This redemptive work. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That Christ became sin, our sin. Why? So that we could be the righteousness of God. We could be covered with His righteousness, cleansed from this defilement that our sin has produced within us. We who have been redeemed have not just been restored positionally and forgiven, justified, but our sin has been removed from us. We no longer have to think of ourselves in the context of our sin. We no longer carry this imprint of our sin or the record. If you have, a, if we're thinking about just carrying the record of our wrongs with us, afraid at any moment somebody could ask for our book and look, thumb through it and see the record of all this defilement in our lives. But we're thankful that Christ that record and gave us his righteous record that our record of wrong and debt was nailed to the cross and we have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. First John 1 7 says, but we if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all our sin. And verse 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 Corinthians 6, there's a, 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 a list of sins and defi defiling sins. But that verse goes on and says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And Hebrews 10.22 uh, says, in relation to this uh, cleansing nature of the gospel and the work that Christ does in us, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean 
from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Oh, there is help for this shame, this feeling, this sense of defilement. It comes to us in the gospel, knowing that we're not just forgiven, but we have been cleansed from these sins. We carry them no longer. They don't have to be imprinted on us. And we have a sense of that. The imprint has changed. The blot or the stain that we felt in our sin has been is now being covered over by the blood of Christ. We have been cleansed and we have been washed. We don't need to carry the shame of those sins. Uh, Jesus has removed our sin and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And so this shame that tends to weigh us down because of the defilement of our own sin is fully removed from us in the gospel. And this is why we need to communicate the gospel. We need to hear the gospel. We need to abide in the gospel. Otherwise, this defilement is, becomes our identity. It settles on us. And we begin to feel and see uh, the, the stain of our sin. And that draws our attention away from Christ. It takes our hope away and our energy away. I don't know if you ever have seen a movie where there might have been a murder. And the, the murderer commits this murder and ends up with blood on their clothing or on their hands. And then they wash themselves, and they wash, and they wash, and they change their clothing. But then throughout the movie, they have these flashbacks to the blood on their clothes, or the blood on their hands. And sin, sin can do the same thing. It can just keep us weighed down. It can keep us in bondage as we feel the, the shame of this defilement. Oh, the glory of Christ is that we have been washed clean by His blood. The last aspect of shame that has an impact on us is that as damaged sufferers. Damaged sufferers. So we've talked about shame related to our nature, and then shame related to our own sin. And this is really has to do with shame related to sin that has been done to us. Because we live in the context of sinful people, their sin often impacts us. If you've ever been the victim of a crime or an attack, you know that it often has unexpected impacts on you. Your house may have been broken into, or possessions stolen, uh, but often there is a feeling of being violated or unsafe or vulnerable. And uh, victims are often uh, talk about losing more than just material things, but this sense of being frightened. If they have... Uh, in a sense, they have been dehumanized. Uh, they can have deep feelings of being violated or unsafe or damaged. Uh, this can produce a sense of being infected or tarnished or dirty, Un especially if it's not known why they were the victim. It was a senseless crime. You think maybe it was something about me, or maybe it was something. Uh, maybe there were people were trying to communicate something. We take on sometimes the shame. As a victim, why was this done to me? If the shame committed, if, excuse me, if the sin committed against you was of a more personal nature, the effects are much worse. Being the object of things like reviling, which is just just a very harsh, belittling speech, where you're attacked verbally. Uh, if you've been the object of malice or slander. This can produce tremendous shame, a sense of being dirty or unclean, and, 
and the things that are being said to you are actually, it's like we're being injected with them. They become part of us. We feel this sense of, of dirty or uncleanness. Uh, sometimes uh, this type of shame is associated with actions like abandonment, or maybe you've been divorced, or you have family that's in jail. And there's because of the things that have happened to you, there's a sense of I just now carry this, this blemish. Uh, I am unclean because of something that someone else has done. Especially physical violence, though. Uh, is, and if the violence was of a sexual nature, it has even a more profound impact. Some sins are of a nature that they imprint the filth of the attacker upon the victim. You have to wear this imprint of shame. They've been infected by the sin and they carry the burden of this uncleanness. It can quickly become our identity. We can quickly view life through this. It just injects this filthiness, this dirtiness. We've all heard people talk about people feel after they've been uh, a victim of a crime where they need to shower, they need to clean themselves because of this permeating sense of being unclean. Now, you may have felt dirty because of another sin, because um, of what has been done to you. At times a person's sense of value and worth become connected to the offense and the shame they carry. They may feel used, discarded, infected. This is all related to the shame we are identifying as un mean shame. But again, the gospel is our only hope for this type of shame. We are not without hope. Jesus knows this type of shame. He was taken out of the camp with the unclean. He was treated as unclean. He was in the presence of unclean. Hebrews 13.12 says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. He was mocked, reviled, ridiculed, insulted, and violated. He was stripped naked and hung publicly. He was treated as a vile human. He knows of suffering at the hands of sinners. He knows the public humiliation of being shamed publicly. He knows betrayal and rejection. He has bore your shame on himself. He took your shame. He experienced these things so he could be a sympathetic high priest, but also so that he could say, I bear your shame. I will take it. You do not need to bear this shame any longer. You are now a vessel for holy use. The title of this particular section is Jesus Suffered to Redeem Damaged Saints. That now in the eyes of God, you are not a damaged vessel. You are a redeemed saint. Set apart for holy use, fully clean, covered in the righteousness of Christ. Jesus receives us and accepts us. We wear his name. We are with him. He does not draw back from us. The high priest Jesus Sacrificed himself is a perfect offering to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, to remove your sin stain and cleanse you wholly. Jesus purchased you to himself as a chosen race, 
to an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you. Read in Revelations 21. Nothing unclean will enter, nor anyone who does not does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Any of you who are believing, who are trusting in the work of Christ, have indeed been purified so completely, so wonderfully, so purely, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, right next to your Savior, your friend, your Redeemer, Jesus, the one who has bore your shame and died to cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Father, help us to believe this that has been that you give us in the gospel. Oh Lord, the the, the sense of unclean shame so it can be so weighty and so so permeating to all of our life that it just it can suffocate us at times. Oh Lord, this we live in a vile world. We live in a sin cursed world. We have been impacted by our own sin. We have been impacted by the sin of others. Oh Lord, we need you to remind us again, not only that we're forgiven, and we praise you for that, but that indeed we have been cleansed. And we've been cleansed to the point where we have been, we are acceptable fully into your presence as clean. And Lord, we rejoice in that. We give thanks to you for that. And may we cling to that as we uh, continue to, to struggle with the shame in our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.